It's time to drop the puck. Time for the Nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. And welcome back to the Nightcap Podcast. My name is Lindsey Brown, the host always and forever. And this uh, great little show that we have here is part of the greater CBS Sports Radio 1140 Sports Network. Uh, you can find that at cbssportsradio1140.radio.com. All of the NHL news, all of the Vegas Golden Knights news, content-related, sports-related, all of that can be found on that website. Uh, mostly is generated by myself and other people who are actual journalists. But today I am joined by one of those journalists, a returner. Well, I've only had, what, two different two different personalities in on the podcast. And so let's give the listeners, what, five seconds to guess who it is. Three, two, one. Who do we have today with us? State your name for the record. It's me. It's, Hello. It's Ryan Quigley. It's me. It's me again. It's Quigs. Right, so I have big news. Okay, Quigs. But before so, you give me your big news, let's make sure that everybody knows where they can find you. We have to have a very legitimate, professional-sounding introduction to make sure we sound like we actually know what we're let's doing. Let's not act like we're professional. I know, right? But let's, pre- <laughs> let's pretend. Sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. Find me on Twitter mm-hmm. at RP underscore Quigs. And also find some of my work on Twitter at Nights on Ice. And go to nightsonice.com because if you do, that would make you smart. Right. And you can so. follow me uh, at, on Twitter at LindsayBrown35 and on Instagram at LindsayBrown35. If you want to know what the spelling is, just start searching or, I don't know, listen to one of our previous podcasts where I did the spelling bee bit. So what is your big news as you sit here in a tie-dye t-shirt literally looking like you rolled like out of a bargain bin? You, did, you do. I got here. All by myself without the use of a GPS today. Oh, good for you. Huge news. This is news. I've been doing that for a couple weeks, and I've been here for far less time than you have, but maybe I'm more directionally just inclined. I think I am. Perhaps you might be. I may be. We'll have to do a driving lesson with with one another and see how quickly it evolves. Speaking of driving, this is just a plea to everyone in Las Vegas. Dear God. Do better at driving. (laughs) Just just improve. That's all you have to do. Yes, it is. Just, it, just practice. Yes, blinkers are are not only necessary, but legally uh, you're obligated to use yeah. them. Please do. Like what? What the hell's wrong with you people? Okay, so we're recording this <laughs> podcast on October fifth. It is Saturday. It is just after we're about to hit twelve thirty. So last night the Vegas Golden Knights played. Who else other than the San Jose Sharks? But yeah. finally, their next opponent will be someone different, but they won 5-1 to one over the San Jose Sharks for the Sharks' home opener last night in very convincing fashion. That included two shorthanded goals. I just want to make sure that everybody's like, before they leave the podcast after we critique their driving skills. Did you say something <laughs> about the breaking news, like the actual what you were trying to lead the podcast off with? That's literally. That's literally yeah, what that's it was? Literally. All right, riveting stuff there. Yeah. So let's jump right back <laughs> into the game then. Obviously, 2-0, and top of the Pacific Division, your, your Vegas Golden Knights. Very convincing victories both last night in San Jose and the other night for the home opener here in Las Vegas this past Wednesday. What are some of your just quick thoughts that we can kind of delve deeper as we settle into this nice little podcast we hear on the nightcap? Man, I thought... I thought last night was going to go a lot worse for Vegas really? than it did. Like, because it was the home opener for San Jose. Yep. Like... They're fired up to play in front of their home crowd. Yep, they've gotten beat up twi- two, three games in a row they almost. They booed mm-hmm. off the ice. Mm-hmm. Not once. Three times. Three times. Three but- times. They did it after the first intermission. So this is officially, like, even if the Knights play bad, which they haven't yet this year and may never, ever, in, again, the, in, in, ever in their again. entire existence, <laughs> I mean, there hasn't been that many opportunities for the, the crowd to boo, this, boo, boo the Golden Knights off the ice. But I just don't know if that's possible considering how many likable characters there are. And they're clearly the Sharks based off how they're starting the season. And it is still very early. But it's not looking too bright over over for that club just across the border uh, up in San Jose. Would, 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 you, would you share that opinion with me? They're looking bad. They're looking but, uh, bad. All right, I'll say this. I'll say this, though. So their first game, Eric Carlson wasn't playing, yes. which obviously that's thankfully, like— And thankfully, we, we were talking about yes. that when he was, he was a late scratch to the home opener for the Vegas Golden Knights, and we were nervous because obviously he and his wife had had a pregnancy previously that didn't work out, and it was very sad, and we knew that his wife was pregnant again, and so we were hoping that it all turned out okay, which it— did it turned out that his wife Melinda safely delivered their first child, a baby girl. I'm not sure what the name is yet, or at least I forgot what it was. But congrats to Eric Carlson. No matter what team people play for, that's always a good thing to make sure that everybody's safe and healthy and uh doing well. But 
Yeah, I mean, the first game of the season, it's it's easy to get up for those games. It's easy to get pumped up, especially when it's a, a big rival like that was. And considering how the preseason ended, there was clearly some high emotions flying. And I, was, I too, was expecting more from the Sharks, especially early, just some more life yeah. in them. Yeah. That, and it I just mean, didn't seem like they had much to offer. They just came out slow out the gate. Yes. And I was kind of expecting, like, honestly, I was expecting, like, a San Jose goal within the first, like, 30 seconds. Like one of those games, you know, one, of, right. those, one of those shark starts. That, What's your Twitter handle again so everybody yeah. can send hate mail your way? <laughs> I mean, that's just, you know, that's just how what I was expecting yeah. from them. Because, Easy to let down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when you're playing, when you're making your home season debut, yep. um, you're fired up and you're ready to go. Right. And the Sharks were not ready to go. No, they looked they were not. really slow and really bad. <laughs> they did. Speaking of slow. Can we please talk about the re- – all right. So yeah, I knew this was going to come Early up. in the first period, I think it, I think it was in the – yeah, I think yeah, it was in the first yep, period. Yeah, yep, yep, Joe Thornton, who's like 80 years old. That's generous. And and Derek England, who's like, you know, 75? 75, yeah. I mean, he. it's just – you're comparing apples to oranges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defenseman versus forward. But nonetheless, both impressive to be playing at the level that they are at their age. At – an elderly age. Yes, and so <laughs> at the tender age. So the two of them are racing for a loose puck in the Vegas end, and it was the slowest race I've ever seen in my entire. It was like, and the best part was how Nick Hague was skating alongside them, going just as fast. Daddy as long faster, legs, and he's just gliding. Yeah, <laughs> they were both skating. His one hardest. stride is everybody else's three strides. Like Marcia, so <laughs> is like, how do you just? You must have so much energy compared to yeah. Marcia, so because he, he's just road runnering yeah. all over the place. But everywhere. man, I mean, I mean, I was expecting to see a little more out of Joe last night, and mm-hmm. he didn't look good either. Like, I think. I think that Shark Squad is really going to miss Joe Pavelski. Yeah, I really oh, do. Yes. Not I only agree. just not only in just his on ice play, which is he is one of the most underrated forwards in the league. And yes, yeah. Vegas. It, this is a podcast where we talk about hockey players and we don't just hate them because they're on the opposing team. Um, but Joe Pavelski is one of the hidden gems in the league, especially at his age as well. But his in the locker room presence, his leadership, his his late in the game when you're down a couple goals, and he, he would be the type of guy to be like. Let's effing go, guys. Like, get everybody back on the same page. Get everybody fired up. And I just don't know if their new captain, Logan, Logan Couture, is that type of leader. I don't think Brent Burns is that type of leader. I, Joe Thornton maybe used to be, but clearly they they wanted to move away from his him being one of the main leadership voices in that locker room a couple years ago when they took away his C. It doesn't mean that he's rendered completely useless, but they don't want him to be the focal point. I think Pavelski was truly... Perfect. The I captain perfect of that, that of yeah. that ship. And, and this isn't to say that Logan Couture won't be a good no, captain. No, it's still I think very a, early. I think he's going to be a really good captain. I think like, so, too. He w- plays the right way. Yeah. yeah. And last night, he came out after the game, and he was just like, dude, that was unacceptable. Yeah. And he, like, ripped the team. Owned up to it. Yeah. Yep. He straight As up As he should, because it. it was an embarrassing performance for them. You can't give up two shorthanded goals, and two of them basically, not the same penalty kill, but within in the same frame of time, within yeah. five minutes of each other unacceptable and for it to happen two games in a row in general and that's not because they're doing anything fancy or not fancy enough it's that's an effort thing that's guys coming back to the play that's guys coming back to the defensive zone to exit and get that puck up the ice on the power play together but when you have guys starting to fly that are staying high in the neutral zone looking for a zone to zone pass from that defenseman from Eric Carlson who is so good at making those passes but what happens to people when you apply pressure? They make mistakes or they second-guess guess themselves. And all you need at this level is a split second to change everything. And that's what's happening on those shorthanded opportunities that the Knights are capitalizing on every single time. Yeah. Which is not going to stay at the same rate either. Like, they may still ha- generate the same amount of chances, but those aren't always going to go in. You're going to face better goaltending. And you saw that... It started in the third period, and I said this before the third period started. I said this at the second of the period. I tweeted this out. I, I said, I would be shocked if we didn't see Aaron Dell, who is the backup net miner yeah, for the Sharks. Yeah, you called it. You I called, called it, it for anybody else. Right, because even if Martin Jones is playing well, he's giving up four goals, and you have to change something about the lineup. Sometimes pulling the goalie is just about basically being – one of those, uh, what are what are those things that they do for heart attacks that they have everywhere now? What are the what are those called? Those little kits that you can basically the 
a, 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 a heart attack kit? That, no, like, <laughs> I don't know. like they have them in rinks. They have them everywhere now just in case something happens. Like it's a, it's a law. The AEDs or maybe, you know, they just provide like a shock to the system. Something that just changes the team and be like, yo, this is how bad you're playing. We're pulling yeah. our goalie because something needs to change. And this is the, this is the, the biggest change we can make without rippling the entire team in game. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what they did. And Aaron Dell went out and played relatively well. But he also went out and let up a shorthanded goal, too. So it's yeah, it's there. There's a comedy of errors on one side of the on the ice on the shark side that to start out the season. And Vegas literally cannot miss right now. So I want to make sure that everybody, it's okay to be pumped and it's okay to be like, hell yeah, we're gonna be good this year. Like we're kicking, we're kicking ass, we're we're doing great. That that is a hundred percent correct. But it's not always going to be this easy, and it's not it's not because they're playing faultless either because Mark andre Fleury's had to make some big saves as well so speaking of Arundel, yes this is just kind of a, a quirky little thing yes what is it with Knights players and running into him <laughs> well I Carrier think he, also, he also puts himself out there he does. too he definitely and, does, yeah. and, and we saw that in the final preseason game against the Sharks when they were here when he basically shoulder checked Mark Stone into yeah. the ground and, awesome. and I like that in a goaltender. And I actually, Je- Jeff Ross, I keep calling him Jeff Ross for some reason. It's Jeff Paul. <laughs> like the comedian. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I keep calling Je- Jeff Paul, who was on our, pro- we, who was on Nightcap last week. Um, I, he was, he was going after Flurry for basically like jabbing back at someone who hit him in the pads looking for a rebound. And he was like, he can't do that. That's cheap. I'm like, no, 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 no. This That's is great. hockey. That's how goalies This is hockey. Themselves. This is hockey. I'm like, he wasn't the one that instigated it. He was slashed first and he hit him in the front of, he hit him in the front of the shin pads where there's plenty of padding. And it wasn't like he, it was like a malicious chop. Yeah. But at the end of the day. No matter what Gerard Gallant says, this is one of the biggest rivalries that the sport has right yeah. now. He is a master at just like yes. downplaying this whole thing. He makes it seem like, ah, uh, who yeah. cares? It's just no, another like, team. It's another game. It's another there team. There are emotions involved. No. There he are hates emo- them. Yeah. He literally he, called Pete DeBoer and, a clown. Yeah. Like, and that's probably what it is. He's like, I'm not going to e- even really acknowledge anything because it's so beneath him, or at least he wants to frame it that it's so beneath the team that they're that much better. And that's definitely a mental angle that's been taken and, and, that I've experienced with coaching as well. Like I've had coaches being like, it's not that big of a game. It's not that big of a rivalry because sometimes it's easy to get too far ahead of yourself and worry about the game outside of the actual game, worry about the extracurriculars, getting even bothering Evander Kane too much, you know, where things that get distracted, things that bring your focus away from what you're really out there to do. And that's to score more goals than the other team. Yeah. And I don't know what's going on with the Sharks. All I know is that Brent Burns looks like he's about three and a half steps slower. He does. He does not look good. He like, looks so bad. He's yeah. having such a rough start, and he's out there for most of those goals against, especially those shorthanded ones, because that's where his value is, is on the power play. And if you're not even generating offense on the one place where you it makes sense to have you, because defensively he's not an asset, I don't know how you continue to play the minutes that he has because you're sticking with Eric Carlson and you're almost wasting Eric Carlson because he's having to make up for mistakes and to always constantly think about where's Burnsy? Is he going to jump right here? Is he going to try to make this weird pass up through the slot in our defensive zone? Like what's going on? And so that's something that the Sharks are going to have to address, but they're not going to see uh, the Golden Knights for basically a month and a half. They're not going to see him until almost yeah, Thanksgiving. Right, yeah, I was about to say. Um, and so on Tuesday – <laughs> After a couple days off here, the Boston Bruins are coming to town. The Bruins, mm-hmm. yay! Yay for the Bruins, but also not yay. Yeah, no, they're. I hate the. Yeah, Bruins. I do too. I hate <laughs> I can't the Bruins. Stand the Bru- I, what's fun about the Bruins <laughs> is that they are like they're. It's you know original six team. Like it's always fun when you have what an original they are. Six team they never in. tell you about it. I know. Never it's crazy, right? Mm-mm, like, never tell you, you about you it. You never would know. No, unless you look. They're it so up on subdued Wikipedia. that fan base. Yeah. They're awful. very quiet. Very quiet about that, about the Bruins and their other sports as well. Yeah, yeah. They're just very, you know, modest and and understanding and very, you Although, know. I, I got to say, I'm really excited for the Patriots because it looks like they have this young kid. I think his name is like Thomas Brady or something. Brody? Um, bro- that's what it is. And they he played for some Big Ten school, I think. Yeah, I, can't I can't remember one. All I know is that they've been riddled with mediocrity for years yeah, now. Yeah, 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 something. Perhaps like that. finally they'll be able to win a Super Bowl. Because, Maybe. Man, I can't even remember the last I, time they won. I can't remember the last time they made a championship run. Period. Yeah, what, crazy. Has it been months. Insane. 
It's not like they take out billboards to remind you or anything. It really is a suffering campaign. In case you haven't picked up on what we're putting down, we hate, and we already said we hate the Bruins, but I actually don't hate the team. I do kind of hate the team, but I hate the I hate Boston fans. They're yes. like <laughs> literally the worst people in the world. If you said Packer fans or Patriot fans or just Boston fans in general, I'm like, Boston fans in general are worse. And that says a lot for someone coming from, from Minnesota and being a Vikings fan or just, it's just the cockiness the the yeah like Vikings fans probably don't even have that much of a reason to dislike no, the Patriots no we really don't we really don't honestly and then when the, when the Super Bowl was played in Minneapolis when the Eagles won we that's tra- right we tried to claim we did win yeah that's right and in, in, in the year <laughs> that I wish we could all erase from our brains in some way shape or form but at least that that those couple of weeks uh, Tom Brady's mom grew up in Minnesota so naturally because we have the, we have that. the worst little brother syndrome of all time in Minnesota yeah. we tried. Tom Brady's one of us, one of us, one of us. And you were you write for Hockey Wilderness, so you're very familiarized with kind of the false sense of of pride that Minnesotans get for producing talented individuals just in general. Be like, yep, they lived here for six months. We'll claim them. Bring them in. They're they're one they're Minnesotan at true and true. Yeah. Tater tot hot. I'm, I'm just all. starting I'm just now starting to pick up on that. Like, yeah. th- like I saw someone on uh, Twitter the other day basically pointing out like Oh, uh, this this NHL player from Minnesota. Like maybe we can, and it's just like, dude, almost every NHL player is from Minnesota. Yeah, <laughs> like, literally, well, almost every American or, or is has from or has come through the pipeline. That being like growing up playing there, playing at Shattuck, playing in college, playing mm. one of those things. It, all the, all the hockey roads somehow one way or another lead through Minnesota at some point. Right. That is just a straight up fact. We love it, except we love it when. We, well, I guess we don't really love it when you throw it back in our face that even though we are very special to the hockey community and just the sports community in general, we also don't win crap. So we don't have anything to back it up. But before we go more into the Boston Bruins, before we go more into the, your Golden Knights and what their week ahead looks like, let's take a quick pause and uh, we'll return with Ryan Quigley right after this little break. All right, and welcome back to the Nightcap Podcast. We're just returning to my conversation with the one, the only Ryan Quigley of Nights on Ice, <laughs> you Hockey Wilderness. Forgot. No, I didn't forget. I was, I, that was what we call a pregnant pause in the, the business. It's, it's called a dramatic pause. Yes, yes. It's called it's called letting the momentum or uh, what, what's it called? The uh, not the momentum build, but the uh, letting the letting it breathe. The anticipation. Yes, yeah. yes. As all of our listeners are clearly on the edge of their seats of their shoes. Or How could what they else? not be? I mean, I don't know. It, I, don't I mean. Know. I walk into buildings and people just are just like, oh my god! Well, when you're wearing stuff like that, you definitely are, definitely. And, when, <laughs> and that's exactly why. That's that's what happened when I when you walked up and I saw you for the first time. I was just like, you literally said, oh my! I, god. I said, oh s, <laughs> and the word and the word was not s. There were three others, le- three other letters there, but we cannot say those because it is not allowed. But we are just talking about your Vegas Golden Knights and their hot start to the season, and. Taking a little bit of a look ahead, and then we're going to kind of take a long view, not maybe get a little less Golden Knights specific. Let's talk about the league. Let's talk about some. It's an early season. It's easy for everybody to get excited about certain teams and not excited about others, just depending because it's just a, li- a limited sample size. But before we do that, what player on the Vegas Golden Knights has impressed you the most through the first two games? And that's not to say, like, did you expect a certain amount of production from someone and they're living up to it? Or is it somebody you had no idea that they were going to be playing this well? Who is someone that surprised you thus far in this very, very young season? So I think I think the, the easy answer would be Cody Glass. And the reason why is because, all right, so early in the preseason, I was like sure that he was ready to right. be a full-time NHLer. Yep. I really thought Early it was, on in training camp. Yeah, I thought it was his time. And then... I saw him play a few preseason games, and I was like, man, you know, like every once in a while he would do something awesome. And he right. did have a couple, like, genuinely good, absolutely excellent games. Yep. But I wasn't, at the end of training camp and preseason, I wasn't like, oh, man, he needs to make the team. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so he ends up making the team because Cody Eakins hurt. Alex uh, Tuck is hurt. Alex Tuck's hurt. Now yep. Nate Schmidt's hurt, even though he's a defenseman. But yep. whatever. Lots of injuries for the Knights. Um, he comes in, his first game he scores. And now his underlying numbers weren't amazing, but like he scored, who, like who cares? He, it's he his finished first a good play. Yeah, he was horrified. He was, going in, the into right, the game. He was in the right spot yeah. at, at the right time, and that's three quarters of hockey. Exactly, is being in the right spot at the right time. Yeah, and so he scores, and that was a huge confidence boost, I think. And you could tell because last Absolutely. night he was awesome. He should have had like three assists to Mark Stone alone last night. Right. 
And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Stone can get any of them past Martin Jones. Pretty weird that... Uh, yeah, Jones was able to make those. He didn't have a great. Well, that's what I mean. Is like go, when you're when you're evaluating goalies, it's so tough sometimes because you can let up a bunch of goals and still be playing really well. It just depends on the nature and it depends on how the game is going momentum wise, which is really the game. Like we've like I've said in previous podcast nightcap podcasts, hockey is about momentum. It's yes. about putting the puck in the net, but the way that you do that the best is capitalizing on momentum surges or trying to cut teams off at the knees when they're supposed to be surging. Like scoring shorthanded goals there's yeah. nothing more debilitating than being on the power play having a literal man advantage and then still getting scored on it's adding insult to injury yeah and Co- and you're right Cody Glass is absolutely taking advantage of the fact that he is on that line with Mark Stone and I think they will get better because there's still some unfamiliarity it's a second there game. right it's exactly. a second game and, and that's so good and it's time. not easy for Mark Stone to take on the task that he's doing though yeah. either because you know be- because Cody Glass is so young so inexperienced experience that he has to be all on all the time and this is what you are paying him the money that you are to do this is what a leader is this is what a face of a franchise is this is what Chicago did with Jonathan Taves a couple years back when they started their their latest rebuild after they won their their three cups is that your leader of your team your face of your franchise has to be able to play with anyone and make them better and that sometimes means taking away from their own game. That means sometimes being more of a playmaker or maybe more of a garbage collector going into the into the corners and digging pucks out. But you have to be willing and able to adjust your game in-game and to be successful across the board. And that's what Mark Stone does for himself. And that makes him valuable to the team. And that's what he does for Cody Glass, who needs the least amount of responsibility that he can get right now because you just want him to play well and play loose. I think it says a lot that they gave Stone an A, like that he's an alternate captain. Mm-hmm. Because, like, so one, all right, I'm going to assume. Because there's no C. There never has there's been. There's not a C. I mean, really, the captain right now is probably England, even yep. though he's, it's like unofficial. Yep. But like England's probably the unofficial captain right now. Next season, I, I'm going to assume England. This is kind of his last, yeah. his last rating. I would assume out. they would name a C next year, or and, the, maybe even the end of this year, depending on how it goes. Yeah, and the fact that Stone's wearing an A, I'm pretty sure that's an yes. indicator. Like, yeah, he's going to get the yes. C. And you so, don't pay guys like that without the no, intention of putting no. with without the intention of putting at least an A on their jersey, because yeah. that's that's what you get paid the big bucks to do to answer the questions, to be accountable, and to be the face and to take heat away from other guys. Mm-hmm. And and Mark Stone, I think, has done a great job. I. I I know that Glass has just one goal to start the season. I'm going to look up Mark Stone's point totals. But I've noticed him multiple times on the ice, even when he's not part of a scoring play. And at the end of the day, he's generating chances, even if they're not going. He hit a couple posts in that opening game uh, against the Sharks when they played in Vegas this past Wednesday. Obviously had a goal, opened the scoring for for the team for the season. But if they're able to have that that confidence gelled and have – Cody Glass feeling comfortable and feeling loose, you could see big spurts of point totals between this group because it's about what team you're playing. Like if they're the top line, are they playing against somebody else's top line or are they playing against somebody else's second line or third line? Because that's where the the chess game behind the actual game takes place. And that's where Gallant comes in. He's like, what matchups do I want? And if they're playing against lines and players that aren't the top lines and players, they're going to be able to take advantage of that because this team is built to score and it is built to score quickly and in bunches and they use momentum to their advantage. So Cody Glass's line last night with Mark Stone yep. had the best. Who uh, else is on that line with him? Just so Max Pacioretty. Max, Max Pacioretty. So the Pacioretty Somebody Glass. sneeze at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Pacioretty Glass Stone line last night yep. finished with a 66.67 Corsi 4 percentage. Explain why that means that so, matters So basically at all. that means that they were generating 66.67 more shot attempts than the opposing team when they were on the ice at 5-on-5. Five five, okay. Which is obviously good. Right. That's very good. And once again, it's a mostly possession-driven yes, statistic. But if you're in is, the offensive zone with the puck on your stick, the likelihood of you generating a scoring chance in the next two or three seconds is pretty damn high. Yeah. So that's it's just naturally going to be higher. But I get where you're trying to where you're trying to go with it. Glass drove play really really well last night. Yeah. Like he was he was good in the defense. He wasn't zone. a passenger. Yeah. Always. Yeah. 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 He, like he, he, had some, he, he did had a good decisions. job of driving play. Like if they were in the defensive zone, he did a solid job of helping contribute to getting the puck out right. into the neutral 
neutral zone and creating scoring chances, which is what you want to see from a young player. It's right. his second NHL game, right. no less. So he was really impressive to me last night. Absolutely. And and that line and the team in general is doing an excellent job in the first two games through this regular season of getting that puck up and out of the zone. And I think that's what translates to a lot of their success, granted, against the same team and a team that's not playing super well in the San Jose Sharks. But the one thing that I notice when you're watching the difference between the Sharks D zone and get, and their attempts to get the puck out and the Knights D zone and their attempts to to break the puck out to go on offense is that the Knights do a good job of taking care of the puck when they're near the blue lines. And this is what we saw on Wednesday night when the Sharks gave up a couple goals uh, where Brent Burns would take the puck in zone entry and try to basically walk laterally across the blue line. You can't do that. You have to get that puck below the hash marks because that means you at least have a couple of guys that has to go through before it gets up and out of the zone and possibly on an odd man rush. The Knights are doing a really good job of supporting the defensemen as they're breaking the puck out. The Fords aren't too high in the, in the defensive zone. So even if the even if the opposing team is four checking, they're drawing those four checkers to the D far enough where they take themselves out of the play, out of the ability to make a defensive play, getting that puck up the ice to those wingers and moving that thing through the neutral zone quickly. And when you're not moving your feet as fast and or if you're just not as fast of a team, you're going to struggle to prevent teams from doing that and that's where the sharks are they're not really fast enough or they're not firing on all cylinders enough for them to realize hey maybe we don't chase them all the way down low in the net or in the zone let's have them come up a little bit and then attack much like what the golden knights are doing to them in in the sharks defensive zone is that they're attacking them up high and catching them in spots where transitionally it's advantageous for that team especially the speedier of the two teams to go out and generate chances to either a get the puck out and onto somebody's stick in an odd man rush situation or entering that offensive zone and entering it with speed and not having to wait and slow down and try to really just, all right, we're going to sit up here and then we're going to pass it over to here <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. we're going to go crush the net. It's like, no, we're going now. You go to the net, you come with, and we're going to see what happens mm-hmm. and that everybody else is staying in their right. There's nobody being lazy. People are back-checking well. People are forward-checking well. And that's going to be the difference in today's day in league because everybody is so freaking close when it comes to team talent. I was really surprised to find out that the Sharks actually outshot Vegas last night. It did really? not. It did not. 35 to 29. It doesn't surprise expe- me, though, but yeah. quality-wise. Oh, no. Like, all of the night's shots were from, like, high-danger areas. Oh, absolutely. The, and, and I that's, think uh, San Jose kind of struggled. And that's the that. thing. They, the Knights do a really good job of stepping up into the, up high as the Sharks are trying to make that zone entrance and forcing them to take outside shots or, or at least rush shots and passing up better opportunities. Like we said about Mark Stone a couple weeks ago, it's not about necessarily taking out the player or taking out the puck. It's just changing course a little yeah. bit so they can't do what they wanted to do. They have to go to option B. Just make their life difficult. Yes. That's what Mark yep. Stone is so good at is making yep. things difficult. Make someone things. go to plan B because plan yeah. B is not plan A for a reason because it's not the best option. To answer your question. Yes. Mark Stone. Yes. Two games, one goal, three assists, four points. I mean, that's okay. That's pretty good. That, I'm, 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 no, I'm that's pretty good. That's pretty damn not good. Not bad. That's pretty damn good. How do you feel that Flurry has looked in the last couple of games? Oh, I thought he's looked pretty good. I think he's last night he was damn awesome. Good. Last night he was awesome. He's looked damn good, and and you can if you go back and watch the final preseason game with the Sharks, even though it was a little bit of a gong show, and and, and both of Flurry's uh, final preseason starts, he was getting hit up high a lot with shots, and they were dropping yeah. down, and he wasn't controlling those rebounds, and that's a tough rebound. Like if that's your nitpick area, you're doing pretty damn well if you're a goaltender, but he was much more. Uh, rebound heavy, and that's where Mark Andre Fleury gets in a little bit of trouble. But what he's done the last two games, and a, a, as you can see, is that he's keeping that weight in front of himself. A lot of times when Martin Jones gets a shot, he's looking behind him because he's not sure if he's let it through I know, or if he's looking yeah, for a rebound. Yeah. That's the last thing you want to see from a goalie. Mark Andre Fleury has no doubt in his mind that he got a piece of that puck or it's in the general vicinity in which he can cover it and make that second save. And you can tell he's being aggressive. He's at the top of his crease. He's battling for rebounds. And by having that weight forward, he has the ability to be proactive in his situation rather than reactive. And some situations you're going to have to be reactive, like a one-timer situation, cross past past the zone or a tip or something, that has to be a reactive shot. But when you're dealing with the garbage in front of the net, when players are going after and everybody's trying to pick up sticks and it's, you know, everybody's fighting for position, 
you have to be an aggressor as a goalie. And and there's it's a, it's a feel thing. And you can tell that he's tracking it so well because he's making the right decisions and he's never too far away from making a bad decision. But he's always in good place and in good standing to make that next save if he needs to. And that's, like we said with Cody Glass, right place, right time. Yeah. Same type of thing. Can we please talk about how Marc-Andre Fleury gave Brent Burns stick to a fan? How? In the middle of like and a mass. And he put it through the photographer hole. Unbelievable. He's a legend. He really is. He really is. Props to Jesse Granger for pointing that out on Twitter. I, d- I hadn't noticed that. Yeah. And then I saw he tweeted that out, so I got to get to that. It's tough when we're watching on TV because we, we're at, we're yeah, at yeah. the mercy of what they're talking about yeah. and what they're showing. And so. my face was buried in my computer trying yes. to get all of the madness all like, of your captured gifts. and everything. Yeah. All of your so, gifts. Guys, just a quick disclaimer. Uh, if you like gifts, another reason to follow me. Yes. I have all the gifts. Right. So y- do that. You have most of them, unless you have all the really important ones, like the game ones, until I remind you saying, hey, can you make a couple of the William Carlson hair, oh, the flip hair flip that we just saw? Because the flips, that's man. the kind of content I'm in the business Two for. Two fantastic, legendary hair right. flips from William I don't Carlson care about the two-on-ones. I don't care about the no. shorthanded goals. It's the hair. The, I'm like... Give me what the people want, and that is funny stuff or hair flips. William Carlson has better hair than Eric Carlson. Fight me. Wow. He does. It's official. Because I said You're so. get your tires slashed. Go ahead and do it. Do it. Go. I'm challenged. If you're listening to this, go ahead and slash my tires. Slash the tires. Slash them all. Slash the tires. I promise it will have nothing. To, it You'll will not change it. my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I'll find a way. Yeah, life always do does. It. Yeah, You'll, you could pick up. You could just stand on the side of the highway, and you'd you'd fit right in with the outfit. People I'll get will a, pick you up. I'll get a horse. Yeah. See, you can't Old slash. Town road. You can't slash a horse's. Tire. You could use one of the horses that they used in the pregame uh, video thing when they were uh, opening night That's on right. Wednesday. What an awesome pregame! Yeah, that was when cool. uh, Eng- England Schmidt Mar- was it Marshy and Flurry. They I were. Bl- yeah, I think they so. They were all in yeah. cowboy get up in the horses. I'm guessing they filmed that when they were in Montana when they were there for for team bonding. That looked like a very Montana-esque scene. I think my favorite thing about that whole thing is and I don't know this, but I'm just going to assume that they had to use stunt doubles just for riding a horse. Probably <laughs> probably <laughs> in today's day and age with the way things are getting like, weird. They don't want them yeah. getting hurt. Honestly, they don't want any of that. We like, have players that break their hands like punching doors or like Eric Johnson who's a defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche a few years back got his foot run over by a yeah. golf cart and he like tore up his knee because obviously he was planted and just like things oh, can go wrong. Jason Pierre Paul with the fireworks. Yes. See Little yep. things like that. Yeah, kids, don't play with fireworks, or at least have the adults do it and don't hold them in your hands. Yeah. Put them on the ground. Don't be dumb. Yeah. Okay, so when we walked in, let's shake, Let's let's go around the league a little bit. We're not going to get to everyone and everything. We're just going to go basically with what has caught our eyes in the first few days of the season for the NHL across the, across the league. I'll tell you what caught my eyes yesterday was the Jets. So literally, all right, so they were down 4 nothing against, against the uh, New Jersey Devils. Who are revamped with plenty of PK talent. P.K. Subban, Wayne Simmons, Jack Hughes. Who's that? Jack, Jacob, I don't even know. If, but J- Jacob Hughes, I'm calling him that. Too bad. It's Jack. Um, yeah, I, okay. I know, but I like Not Jacob. to mention Taylor Hall, who won an, a hard trophy, the MVP, Taylor two Hall's seasons back. ago. And so, uh, like... They were up for nothing. It looked like it was going to be kind of a blowout. Yep. And I tweeted out, and I was like, man, I knew the Jets were going to be awful this year. But to look this bad, woof. And then they come storming back. I think in like the was it the just the third period where they scored? Like, I think so. I didn't watch. I didn't watch the end of that game because I don't sit and watch hockey all night. Yeah. But uh, you, that's, you're it's actually very a functioning cor- human being it's, with it's, an actual life. Well, it's just, I don't need to watch every hockey game yeah. to understand. If if I, I'd be like, oh, this is what happened. I can watch the play and be like. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Now, if you want me to do a deep dive analysis on every shift, yeah, I'll have to watch the whole game. But in general, I got other things to do. I got other shows to watch. I got to rewatch Grey's Anatomy for the sixth time. Yeah, so there yeah. are things to Obviously. do. People to see, friends to not make. That's what <laughs> yeah, I did. Exactly. Blake Coleman. We have to talk about. We have to talk about Blake Coleman, who was on the Devils, so yes. he was on the losing side. Yeah. But there is a play that last night that is a that is a candidate for goal of the year. And if you haven't looked it up yet already, look on Twitter or look on YouTube and just search what's the kid's first name? Uh, who, Blake Coleman. Yeah, it's Blake Coleman. Blake, Blake Coleman. Blake yeah. Coleman goal. Essentially, he's going one on one. He's on a semi breakaway. Yeah, the yeah, night yeah. or the Knights, the Jets defenseman attempts to basically do si do like link arms yeah. with him, like where you you know Cotton Joe. You're going around in the circle, and he has somehow finagles the puck and gets it where I think he is 
left-handed? I, I think it was his right hand. Right hand. And he goalies do this all the time. You flip it. Um, and he basically saucer passed a One puck hand- past <laughs> a puck past Corey Schneider. Or no, not past Corey Schneider. Past uh, past um Hellenbuck, I think. I, I think it was actually uh the Brosois. other goalie. Whatever. Was, I want to say it was Brosois. The French one. The Frenchie. And just one-handed saucer saucer goals to the far side. And it's a nasty goal, and I'm doing a terrible job of really describing it play-by-play, and this is why I don't do play-by-play. Um, but do yourself a favor and go look it up because the forearm control on this kid is clearly Nuts. next level. Like, all right, yeah, so he, he is Yes, he's, done right, he's doing the hockey the hockey stick curls with the weight. Yeah. Like Adam Banks <laughs> exactly. from, D, from D2 Mighty Ducks yes. is very impressed with his forearm. He's a lefty. Yep. His his left was all tangled up, so he had to use he his right his stick was in his right hand, and he had it free. He somehow got the stick on the puck, and I don't know how he did it, but he lifted it with one hand right on the um uh the the neck of the stick, and just I feel like I'm there. I feel like I'm there I, with our descriptions. I, I really do. I, just, I feel like we're watching in live in live time. So if you take your hand and, and you have a hockey stick in your hand, you have your top hand at the top where the tape is, where the knob is. The knob. That's where knob. his hand yeah. was. This and is then not his, a guitar. His bottom hand, it, he doesn't have access to because it's tied up. And so he literally is just taking it one-handed at the end of his stick and just using all of the momentum and strength in his forearms yeah. and using his weight as leverage to essentially – just attempt to push and flip the the puck pass, and it just happens to go in. Like you can't give up that yeah, goal, yeah. Frenchie. You can't. We've you had can't. a couple of really good plays so far. All right, so we have yeah. that. We have a save of the year candidate that, that Devin Dubnik. No, made. that's not a save of the year candidate. I'm sorry. That was fun. It's embellished. It, it's embellished. It was embellished. It's not. It's not via. But, it's this is. It's going to be for goal for people who are familiar with goaltending. We'll get this. Otherwise, this word doesn't really do do a good job of describing it to everyone else. But it, that save is not violent enough. Yeah. For it to be a save of the year. He catches it, and sure, it's a good save, but then he just happens, oh, I have to flip. It's like the goalies like, take it out of the air, and then they always catch it with their glove, and they're like, oh. And they bring it up yeah, above their head and yeah, be like, yeah. look how good I am. Still, it's going to get votes. You it's it's going to get votes, votes, but if to a trained eye, it's not It's not as impressive it as it wasn't looks. the save that Carey Price made, I think it was like a couple years ago, where he did the Hashik. Yes. He just did the windmill? Yes. Out yes. of desperation. Like it, it has worked. to you can tell by the way they catch the puck and the where it hits them in the glove if it's truly a last second desperation yeah. save. And Devin Dubnik, I'm gonna be honest, he's a massive human being. He didn't need to do all of that to make that save. It's really not. But it's a good save. It looked cool. It looks cool. It looked pretty cool. So. But when you know and then I, I I covered the wild last year and you and you cover the wild too and it's not out of his personality. It's oh, not no. out of the realm of possibility for him. It's very much a Devin Dubnik on brand mood to be like, oh, look at this. <laughs> look at this. And you know, it's fine. Some goalies need that to, to bump the, to bump up their confidence and whatever. Yeah. But if we're gonna cut if we're gonna really start comparing it, there are going to be saves that are far less pretty that are gonna be much more impressive as the season goes on. Cause it's obviously game two. And I mean, I think the Kings are playing their first regular season game today. So there's a, there's a few yeah, teams that are just getting off yet. off to off to their their start here, but who else? Have you watched any of the Leafs? I have not, but Austin Matthews looks. Good. I've watched the highlights. Did you see the shot he had last night? Where yeah, like, I don't know how that's capable. I don't know how that's a possible. I know exactly how it's capable, and there's actually a good article that came out last year about the the literal breakdown of how he shoots his shot, Austin Matthews, and how different it is from everyone. Shoot your shot. And and it, you can find it on The Athletic. I don't know who wrote it. I read it like three times. I'm not going to tell you how to find it because I don't know, and that's way too much work for me. But if you want to ser- just search like Austin Matthews shot, and I'm sure it'll come up. But obviously there's a lot of things going off the ice on with him. Uh, last week we, we were going to address it and we ended up not really having time to do it. And I'm not really looking to do it today just because I'm not in that mindset. But going forward, just so everyone knows, because we're just to get kind of basically the temperature of this podcast. If something like that happens, and I'm not saying we won't address the Austin Matthews situation going forward, we probably will. But At those, some point those, we'll, yeah. those things will be addressed here. But they're not going to be addressed in a way that, is going to be like overblown and and overreaction depending on the situation. I think that the that this in, the Austin Matthews situation and if you're not familiar with it do some reading. I'm not going to get into it. 
it's it doesn't look good for him. It's not a good look. But we, I also know that he's a very good hockey player and how much people struggle with coming to terms with players that are really good, that they are huge fans of doing crappy things off the rink and how you rationalize that as a fan, how you rationalize that as a human being. I understand that I want to address it, but when we do address it, I want to make sure that we're having the best conversation possible because we all know in today's day and age that conversations have never been easier to devolve into something that you didn't intend to. So we're letting things percolate a little bit more with that situation. But Austin Matthews, Mitch Marr, and Toronto Maple Leafs are off to a very hot start, especially on special teams and specifically on the power play. I just don't know how you can keep up. Like the, on, the 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 only thing that I think that could really derail the season for the Leafs is themselves. But that's the most likely thing to happen. And that's yeah. the that happens all the time, especially in that town, because there is so much attention, so much pressure on those young players because they've invested a ton of money in a ton of young guys. And they've performed and that's why they they're getting paid so young. But now you gotta get out of the first round of the playoffs. You have to beat the Boston Bruins in the playoffs. You have to take steps, and we're not there yet. It's not March, but you ha- this is little speed bumps like the Austin Matthews situation, like Mitch Marner holding out until basically the last week of training camp. These are the things that can deviate the course, even if it's the nicest speedboat you've ever seen. It's the top of the line. It takes out every single professional water skier in the world. It's the best but if you don't, if if there's a couple of choppy waves here and there, you're not going to have a good time, and it could completely derail the entire thing. And I think that's the A topic with the Leafs this year. It's not necessarily everybody knows the talent that they have, but it's about actually using that talent. A lot of teams are just seeing, hey, do we even have the talent to 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 challenge? Because that's half the battle. Is that if you think that you have talent but you don't, you might make moves that put you in a worse position in the near future, in the and and in the long view than you would if you were an actual honest evaluator of the talent on your team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, my thing with the Lee, I think they made the right decision with Tavares being captain. Correct. I hundred He deserves it. It's not even close. And yeah. he, and from what I've heard about him and yeah. he, and people can hate the Pajama fact that blank. he went home and, and, and that he left the Islanders and whatever else. From what I've heard, he is nothing but He's a, sta- a professional, nothing Just but a good, good guy. Dude. Yeah, yeah. And that he—that's what the Leafs need—is a good guy. No one that, dislikes the guy except no. for people in Long Island. Yeah, and those people are. Lame, and that's because, so. and they have a reason to, to be to have qualms with him because they, he left the team. I get it. If you're a fan, I'd be kind of I would be pissed too. But it doesn't mean that he's a bad person for choosing to go home. It just means he changed colors, and that's apparently. Not allowed in sports. People get mad when they choose to go somewhere else. Grow up. Do you? All right. Because we've never talked about this before. Okay. What was? What's your opinion on the whole, the whole thing with the Islanders fans burning his jerseys, saying you know just wishing these horrible things on Tavares? I have a problem with it because this whole thing basically started with the NBA and just and just it all LeBron. all all it of LeBron. the sports yeah. get looped in together and they're all unique in their own way, but. Whenever a player chooses to move on or chooses to play somewhere else, they get the a ton of hate. Whereas teams have the ability to just say, even guaranteed contracts, non guaranteed contracts, it doesn't matter. It's a business decision for yeah. them, and always people are like it's better for the team. Like what my thing is, so many people are like, well, I understand where Islanders fans are coming from, and it's just like, no, I don't. I don't understand I really the don't. level of the level of their anger. I don't think they should. Be I would burning understand his being upset. I yes. would understand being really sad yes. because he was such a good captain in New yeah. York for so long. Yep. And then he leaves and he goes to Toronto. He goes home. Like, yeah. If, if I find out that they if, picked, if I'm a Le- right. yeah, if I'm if I'm an Isles fan, yep. and I find out that John Tavares signs with the Leafs. He's from Toronto. He signs with the Leafs. I'd be like, oh, man, that sucks. He signed with the Leafs, and he posted a picture on Instagram of him when he was eight years old in a room decked, including sheets that are all Maple Leaf branded. He grew up a Leafs fan. It's a Leafs literally fan. a dream come right. true for him. And I get it. He was the first team. overall pick, and it sucks because your team was really good. And then they actually outperformed and was, were really good even after the fact that he left. Uh I think I have no problem with fans being upset. It's about being upset in certain situations. Like if you're going to burn a jersey, fine, but being, don't burn a jersey because yeah. a guy's leaving to go play for another team and he's a good dude. Burn a jersey because I don't know he raped someone or yeah, he's exactly. not a good human being or he did something uh, something that's actually abhorrent, yeah. like actually worth 
burning that jersey where it's like you're not even worth the money that I paid for that. Him choosing to go home or players choosing to go be happier somewhere else or playing, that's fine because at the end of the day, you're not the one putting on the sweater. So it doesn't matter what you think. And I understand if you want to be upset, but not burning the jersey because your captain left and he's a good dude. Like if he just said like even middle fingers to the island and did whatever, I'm I'm still kind of like whatever. But that's also because – just in general, the way that we discipline people, not yeah. just actually, but in the public eye, is so mismanaged and so wrong in so many ways. We excuse behaviors and 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 events that are morally not even close to being like gray area. But but we will crucify people for doing something that makes sense that everybody else does in everyday lives. It exactly. just happens to be because it's a sports team and people love their sport. I don't think I ever saw anyone burning any Ray Rice jerseys. Oh, yeah. We I never mean, saw that, did we? No, no, we didn't see that. And there was literally stone-cold visual evidence of him. Ray Lewis. Yeah. He's on TV, is he not? Ben Michael Ro- Vick, Ben even. Roethlisberger. Oh, that's right. Those? May or may not have a... Uh, Twice. Three times. I'm pretty sure it's three. And like I said, these are all things that we can look up. And this is not something that I will ever shy away from or we'll ever shy away from. But we want to have a legitimate conversation about it and not just be like, crucify him, crucify him. Like, see both sides. Try to understand from both sides where people are coming from and get, obviously, in the psychology of the player who's going through it, but also the psychology of the fans, of the public. Because at the end of the day, that matters more than it ever has before. And just getting people to kind of check themselves and not just – not be like, you're wrong, but just be like, are you right, though? And why do you think that you're right? And just not anything that's confrontational, but just being like, let's just sit with this and see if our feelings really match and why we feel the way we feel about something and where that puts us in the spectrum, where our priorities are. Because I think no matter what, even the Dalai Lama himself, he probably thinks he can be a better human every day in some small aspect. So why don't we try? I know I can. I know. Certainly with that with that tie-dye t-shirt With my got. attire. Yeah, with oh your God. attire. If that's your goal tomorrow, if that's the way you want to better yourself, you say, you know what, Ryan, here's what I'm going to do today. I'm not going to look like a homeless person. I'm going to look like a respectable human being yeah, in my no. blazer because all my flannels are dirty. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I dress up for one thing, and that is when I go to yeah. when I go to games. Yeah. I dress up. I got my I suit. Bore, I borderline do. I yeah. lo- I'm looking fly. At least I think I'm looking fly. You're looking dapper. I go in there. I'm looking dapper. And then the second I get home, I throw on tie-dye shirt. Sweatpants. Right. Some cheese, uh, uh, Cheetos. We're millennials. We Comfort is first because at the end of the day, we will perform better professionally, personally, and just overall yeah. if we're more comfortable. Like a lot of my friends, like when they wake up in the morning, they 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 like get dressed. Like, yeah. what, what the hell are you doing that Dude, for? Dude, there are girls <laughs> that get up every morning that do their hair and makeup every morning. Yeah, like, I'm how like, do what? you, how do you exist? How do you exist? I'm I play like, my oh. whole day. Like, I, my whole, most of the time, I know. I'm like, yeah, today, I'm refusing to do anything. Yeah. All day today. Yep, yep. I'm no. just going to lay around. You know what? It's okay. Take some time off. Take a break. Everybody deserves it. Even if you feel like you don't, your, you will, your mental just well-being will thank you yes well absolutely thankful and thankfully well not really for us the golden knights have a few days off before their game against the boston bruins which will take place tuesday we're recording this on saturday afternoon around 1 p.m on october the 5th do you have anything else ryan anything anything else we haven't we haven't gotten to oh man i don't think so I don't. What anything, was that? Per, anything pressing? Anything personal? Anything personally pre- pressing? One of those things. <laughs> Not that I can think of. No. No. I don't, no, no therapy session. No therapy. Here. No. So let's do this. Playing the Bruins. What do you think? How are you feeling? Few days off. Coming I mean, I, back home. I don't think there's any question. This is going to be the toughest challenge. For the well, Bruins yes. Because yeah. the, the Sharks just have. Sucked. Well, and the Bruins. Lest we forget, we're in the Stanley Cup Finals in Game 7 just mere months ago, and we're very just as close to winning it as the the Blues if Brad Marchand doesn't decide to get off the ice at the worst possible time. You know what I would love to see, even though it's not going to happen? What? I would love to see Malcolm Subban get the start against the Bruins. Ooh. You know what? Because wasn't that his first win in the NHL? Against the Bruins, wasn't it his first win? In I the don't NHL? know. That's that's way too deep his, into hockey. For his me. old I don't team, care. his old team. He, yeah. For those who don't know, he was drafted by the Bruins. Yep. He didn't develop quite the way he wanted him. They wanted him to, so. and they have other people there. Yeah. Obviously, they it, have Tuka Rask, yeah, 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 who's yeah, yeah. very good goalie. Oh, yeah, Yaroslav Halak there now, now as well has been there for the last. But they put years. Subban on waivers. Nice, picked him up, and Subban was like really, really good that first season. He wasn't as good last year. People could say he was bad, and those people just are not, right. not exactly smart. So 
Um, but yeah, I would love to see. It's not going to happen just because they have like a few well, days we'll off. We'll see because they they the Knights have been very upfront and honest. Well, not I wouldn't say honest. They're about <laughs> as upfront and honest as they usually would be about how they want to manage Mark Andre Fleury, and it's a subject that we've already explored a couple times here on the Nightcap. But they have Boston on Tuesday at Arizona on Thursday. And Arizona's going to be they're going to be then, a sneaky good team. Yep, this year, and I then think. back home on Saturday against Calgary. And if you're the Golden Knights and you're serious about managing Mark Andre Fleury, this is a week where you give Malcolm Subban a game. Yeah, this is a week. This is where you change some of. This is where one of those changes has to happen, and it's not going to have to be a decision that's made every single week. It's a decision that needs to be made five or six times over the course of the year, and that will make up the difference that they're looking for in managing and getting Flurry more rest, not just physically but mentally, and getting Subban against quality opponents and getting Subban with a quality Knights team in front of him too because it's not just about having and throwing him out there on a second night of a back-to-back or against a crap team or a really good team yeah. because the team isn't playing well. Like he, he was like – Subban basically only played on the second night of back-to-back. I would think they would play him at Arizona. That would be my guess because you're going in. It's it's after – it's not at home. Arizona still still a, a young team. You can get some serious confidence on it. It's a divisional game. You know, there's there's lots of lots to be lots to be dissected with that. But they could also give him the Bruins too. But I think it needs to be one of those three. Uh, we're gonna learn a lot about. We're gonna learn a lot, but it also depends. It's like Flurry. Do you want to play Boston and then have three days off and then play Calgary? Maybe he doesn't want that. Maybe he wants it more rhythmic. He wants le- one less day. Maybe that that has to have a conversation as well. It's a juggling act. But I think Malcolm Subban needs to get in a game this week, especially because if he doesn't. And they go at if they go back to back, they go Saturday night here versus Calgary, and then the next day, Sunday, the next night, they're playing in LA. And so, if you give him that Arizona game, then maybe Flurry can play both of those back to backs. Or if you have, or you have him play in LA, but one of them. Otherwise, you're pushing them out two and a half weeks in between starts is too long for goalies to sit around. What you have, what I want them to do is. I would love to see Subban play against Calgary because I felt like last year he really was relegated to just the second. It's a hell half. of a barometer and, test. And like, yeah, and against like, Pacific de- defending Pacific Pacific Division champions. Yeah, but surprise, surprise! Last season when Subban played again, mostly on the second half of back to backs, the team in front of him was gassed, and they mm-hmm. typically ended up not playing well. And he gave up a lot of goals. And I I can talk about this so. Forever. Like, yeah. Nate Schmidt came out last year and said, yeah, like, he played so yep. well, and we just didn't play for him. Yep, and unfortunately, they're not going to be without Nate Schmidt, Nate Schmidt for a while, but thankfully, he's only week to week, because when he got injured on opening night in the in that first period, we were nervous that it was going to be a scared. season. I thought that was an ACL. Yeah, man, I, we, like, it, it did not look good, so luckily, it, it's not. It, it, so they say. Yeah. So they say. I um, think for Howla though, when Howla got hurt, I think well, they he said, broke his leg though. I think, but I think they said that he was like month to month. Yes, but that's so also like, a broken bone. That's yeah, very yeah. different. Yeah. And, and you, they're a lot more inclined that being the team to come forward publicly and say that it is a broken bone more so than they would saying it's a sprained ankle. They're not going to tell you it's a sprained ankle, but they'll tell do, you it's a broken bone. They'll do tell we you. know that it was a broken bone yet for Howla? Yeah, I thought it was pretty clear that they let it know that. He broke his leg. Uh, maybe that came out, and I just didn't hear about it. Yeah, I'll but double they, check. They it. Were maybe, hiding. maybe you know my brain. Things yeah, go yeah, in yeah. there, and I I don't know when they're going to be recalled. But sometimes they're recalled. But before before we go into that, do you think Malcolm Subban plays better at home or away? Um, I think home. Think, I think I think okay. everybody that plays that factors into it. So that 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 as well. So where where are we going to go, and then we're going to wrap it up? Well, I, I was just going to say like. Um, someone asked Nate Schmidt. I can't I can't remember who. Um, I practiced the other day. Someone asked um, Gerard Gallant. Mm-hmm. How long Nate Schmidt would be out, and if it'd be another twenty-game absence like it was last season yep, when he got you, suspended. Yep. So obviously a different situation, but yep. Um, Gallant straight up was like, "Well, I hope he's not out twenty games." Right. So that to me indicates like maybe it's not as bad. Hopefully, as it's a strain or yeah. at best a contusion. Yeah. And but the big thing is obviously is it the season is so young, and when you rush players back, if you do. Or if they're not feeling fully confident in their bodies, quite again, I don't know if you've had if you've if you've suffered a major injury during a sports I season. I've had zero injuries, and and sometimes <laughs> it's hard to trust your body and hard to really get over that last mental hump of being like, "Hey, I can play fully free," 
and that I, I that the injury doesn't stick in your head. It doesn't like stop you or make you hesitate. But if you bring people back too early and there's still some damage or there's still some structural weaknesses, you're going to have to use other parts of your body to help overcompensate and stabilize. And that's where you get you see the really high re-injury rate because it's already overcompensating. Because even though he's not playing, he's still walking around. You're still limping. When you're limping, you're putting pressure more pressure on certain parts of your joints that aren't usually had that they don't usually have that much pressure put on it when you're healthy. So the team needs to be cognizant of it. I think that they are. We will see. Hopefully it's like a month, if that, and then he comes back and he's in full force. But I'm also Nate Schmidt is an important piece of the of enough of this team that it you should make sure that you take every precaution to make sure he's as healthy as he could be going forward. Worst injury you've ever had. We're, all right. Let me start. Let me start. Okay. Worst injury I ever had was a direct reflection of my inability to do athletic things. Uh-huh. So I think I was like like sixth grade, sixth, seventh grade. Me and so me and one of my me and my one of my, one of my one of my best childhood friends, shout out Hunter, we're uh, out in the street playing football. Uh-huh. Throws the ball to me, I drop it, and I step on the ball and oh. springboard my face directly into the pavement. <gasps> so I I lost stitches. Uh, I can't remember. Okay, then it's not that bad. Well, come I, on, I knocked a bunch of teeth loose. Oh um, yeah, but you're, if you're you're that old, anyways, those are gonna come out as is, right? Well, I don't know. Like, you know, no, those are adult teeth. By well, then at least you have the pride, and yeah. you can wear it like a badge yeah. of honor. Pretty, I looked like Frankenstein for a few days. It was pretty, uh, Interesting. pretty gnarly. Interesting. What was yours? Well, I guess it depends because, I mean, the worst injury, it depends on how it looks. Like, the worst injury I've had are probably one of my four concussions that I sustained when I was, oh, when I was playing. Oh, God, yeah. Um, one of which where I was, like, going full speed during a skating drill, and skating with goalies usually, it works most of the time except for the times that it doesn't. And I caught an edge, like, right before the goal line and went headfirst into the boards and, like, couldn't remember or retain – like, I read a sentence and I couldn't retain it. And so I was, like – I, that one was pretty bad. My my memory, basically, that's where everything went to hell. But, I mean, in softball, I had it one time, and my my finger's still crooked. Can I guess? You were yeah. a, a catcher. In yeah, I was yeah, a catcher catcher first and then, and then pitcher. But I remember because I, like, dislocated my pinky finger, and I was, like, at practice. And I was, like, well, that's clearly crooked, and that's a problem. <laughs> that and right. so I tried to put it back in, and then it wouldn't go back in. And so then I had to go to the doctor and they're like it's broken and you probably actually made it worse by putting it back in and they way to go Lindsay. yeah i know right and i was like eighth grade and they had to put my hand in a very specific cast because if you stabilize your finger straight and then you keep it in a cast for weeks your tendons will fuse together and you'll lose the ability to basically bend your fingers so i had one where they bent your pinky finger and your right ring finger all the way forward and went to a hand surgeon Really high-end person at a university hospital expecting – and it comes out – I'll tweet a picture about it. But, like, Ryan, look look at the quality. I have to get it re- – I, I have to get it reset. Like, I call it, you know, when you're doing uh, shadow puppets on the wall. Yeah, when it's yeah, like yeah. You're like, this is the wolf with Botox. This is the wolf without Botox. There we go. It's still incredibly crooked. That one – I mean, I couldn't play hockey for a few weeks. But concussions are bad. I've gotten stitches. I've got – I've gotten the whole bit. You know, nothing, nothing too gnarly. Not like breaking a leg yeah, or I've like getting done, my. I've corrupt. never done anything exciting. I've one of my one of the guys on the men's hockey team in college got his neck cut with a skate, like in the right near the artery. That I've seen that before. Real quick, yeah. about skates cutting things. Uh, you might be familiar with Eric Brandstrom, former Golden Knights prospect, whom they traded to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for Mark Stone. Who? Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but. One of the scariest injuries I've seen in a while occurred a couple days ago to Eric Brandstrom. He was – it was late in the game. Uh, Ottawa had their goalie pulled. Austin Matthews was going for an empty netter. Um, I guess Brandstrom and Matthews kind of got tied up. Matthews falls down. His skate comes up. Yep. Comes, honest to God, centimeters away from Brandstrom's eye. Like, and well, he gets them. You can live without an eye, though. He gets them right, yeah. like, just underneath yeah. the eye. And, like, oh, my God. It's the – seeing it makes me want to just – Yeah. If you want to see ugh. the gnarliest hockey injury, just search goalie no, gets caught in the neck. No, and if you're so squeamish, good. it's not going to be a fun time. It's but if good. you're overall just fascinated by the human body and how, like, simple and how easy it is for all of us to, like, literally die right now just by, like, I don't know, a butter knife, watch that. Because yeah. a goalie – 
it's happened to a player twice, and luckily the same trainer was present. This is like decades apart in which they got cut pretty close to the carotid artery, and it's it's gnarly. And it's from, I think, like the 80s or something, but it's gnarly as yeah, hell. But for all of those injury things, like I said, you can go to cbssportsradio1140.radio.com to find all of the best Vegas Golden Knights NHL and just sports-related content. That's where I post all of my stuff. That's where you can find this podcast, the night, Nightcap Podcast, as well as all of the things that we have just on the horizon here at CBS Sports Radio 1140. And, Ryan, where can we find your stuff? Find my stuff at RP underscore Quigs on Twitter. Find some of my articles at Nights on Ice on Twitter. Uh, go to nightsonice.com because it's good and content is good there. Yes. So go follow us. And also, if you want to hear some more of my uh, or g- kind of get more eyes on uh, my wild coverage, you can follow me at um, or follow us on Twitter at Hockey Wilderness with one S. Yep, and always you can find me on Twitter at LindsayBrown35 and at LindsayBrown35 on Instagram. This has been the Nightcap Podcast, part of the CBS Sports Radio 1140 Podcast Network. Bye! The Nightcap Podcast with Lindsey Brown is produced from the Las Vegas-based studios of CBS Sports Radio 1140, a radio.com sports station.